Hello and welcome back to The Running Podcast with me, Brian O'Connell. This is the second last podcast. At the outset, we decided we'd run it for the length of time it took to train for a marathon, which is about 13 weeks in my case. So this is, as I said, the second last podcast. And we're going to have a discussion about technology and about the kind of advances and the kind of aids that are available to you, be it a watch or... Uh, perhaps more advanced type of testing that's available now in the market to try and give you that edge uh, in terms of technology and in terms of your training and in terms ultimately of your performance and uh, improving your times. So that is the plan for today. going to chat to a really interesting athlete who I've run with a little bit over the past couple of years and he's someone who has always been interested and exploring and taking advantage of the latest technological advances and the latest trends so that's coming up um this is my final week of training i'm recording this on tuesday night and the marathon is on sunday so it's that sort of feeling this week where i mean i've had a slight slight hip issue for the last few days and you kind of pick up these niggles or at least you think you have a couple of niggles in the last week anyone who's ever trained for a marathon will probably tell you phantom niggles we call them where you think you've got a pain here and you think you've got an ache there and you can feel your foot is a bit sore and you feel a bit tired a lot of it is just psychological it's probably your body just preparing itself for what's to come at the weekend so very little running this week really besides obviously the big one on Sunday. Um, I just did about five miles with a couple of a couple of the group that are going over with us uh, this afternoon, and I'll probably do maybe four miles on Thursday, and then we'll all do a five k in Rotterdam on Saturday morning, nice and easy, all easy miles, easy pace, and then we have our our marathon at ten o'clock on Sunday. The weather looks good. It's about looking at about twelve thirteen degrees there. Very little wind. Looks a little bit overcast, which is quite nice too uh i've been hearing all sorts of horror stories from people who've done rotterdam previously saying it can get really warm there i think there was a cutoff a couple of years ago for three hours it was so warm so look that's coming up and the last podcast obviously will be next tuesday so i'll recap on how rotterdam went god no talk about putting extra pressure on yourself (laughs) i mean i really have to finish the thing now don't i no matter what happens out there, I have to get across that, that finish line at the end. So I'm going to try and stay as relaxed as possible over the next few days. So that's next week, the last podcast in this series where I will recap, maybe chat to a few of the people who competed and who took part and see did their goals match the outcome. So that's really what you're looking for. We all kind of have an idea in our heads where we're at and what kind of time we think we should be achieving based on some of our longer runs but look anything can happen on the day as i said this week i am going to talk to someone who i've run with a little bit in the past and he is a fantastic athlete a fantastic triathlete his name is eddie bosch he's a cork man he would mostly drop in with our group for our longer runs on a Sunday morning we wouldn't really see him on the track and he uses that then as part of his training for a triathlon or an Ironman he is someone who's always as I said open to new ways of improving his times and he's pretty au fait with the latest advances in technology and science that is available to him so he began Eddie Bot by telling me about how he became an endurance athlete and the story goes back to his childhood
I, I think it all started when I, I was really young. Um, uh, I, I remember an incident actually um, when I was about 10 years of age. Um, I was on my grandmother's house, so she lives in a, in a she lived in a housing estate in Cork City. There was this ring in the middle of their the estate. It was just a grass patch with concrete ring around it, about two hundred meters. All the kids used to we'd run around the ring. That was the game. How many laps can you do? Let's do a relay. You know. So one summer's day, anyway, I said I'll attack it. Everyone used to get up to maybe sixty or seventy laps in a ring. So, and there was a great buzz around it. So I attacked it one day anyway, and I was hitting 80 laps, 90 laps. <laughs> <and, laughs> no, the top came off then at one stage and the brother ran, ran into my mother and he said, come out, Ed is going to hit 100 laps. <laughs> so with that, the mother came out and she found me in the middle of the ring, panned out, stretched <laughs> on my face. That was a night in hospital with oh a third, third degree burns on my back from the sun. Oh, so, yeah, that was my introduction to endurance sports. <laughs> Didn't go down too well with my mother, but it, that's when it all started. I went on. I I, I ran as a juvenile with Leave LAC, a local running car, uh, car running club here. But absolutely loved the cross country. Um, I fell in with a good team as well with them, and we hit city counties, we hit all Ireland's, and uh, it was just great fun. I played rugby for twenty about twenty five years. Yeah. So I played out the back. So I was still I was still running an awful lot. Um, but when I finished up playing rugby, then I kind of went back doing some some uh, BHA races in Cork. Uh, found the love for road running. So and it all kicked on from there. Done a few duathlons, done a few triathlons. The ultimate goal then was to do Ironman. So I did my first Ironman back in 2015, and I haven't stopped since. I would do. I would do four or five half Ironmans a year. I would probably do two full Ironmans uh, a year. Were you always a strong swimmer, Eddie? I wasn't, Brian. I, I never learned how to swim as a child. I learned how to swim back in 2015 for my first triathlon. And I learned from YouTube, believe it or believe it not. Stop. Yeah, my first swim in, in my first triathlon, I had about six or eight weeks of watching YouTube. And how to breathe and how to get my body position right and what through my arms. I've a vision of you in the bath with the iPad. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> with the goggles on and the hat, flashing <laughs> away. Um, no, I've kind of moved on a bit from there. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So swimming was a completely new thing for me when I took up triathlon. Even my first triathlon race, I think I'd done it on a, on a friend's rusty mountain bike. Because one of the things I would hear from people who would love to get into triathlons is is the swimming part of it. So how long did it take you, Eddie, to go from zero to be competent, particularly in open water? I'd say it took me a good 12 months, Brian. As soon after I'd done my first triathlon, I joined um, Cork Triathlon Club, uh, who are a great bunch of people. And you get so much information, so much free information from them, so many free sessions and everyone willing to give up um, all their experiences and all their info here. So it took me about 12 months to get kind of... Um, Proper coaching in swimming. One, I got on a few one-on-one lessons. Um, but you're you're always learning in swimming. You're you're never the complete swimmer. Like I'm swimming you now seven or eight years. Yeah. And I, I I still have an awful lot to learn. You know, I'm I'm by no means the fastest or the strongest swimmer out there, but I, I'd be competent in open water. Now the open water is is a funny one, Brian, and, and people are right to be anxious about the swim portion of triathlon if they're trying to take it up. Yeah. Um. 
when, when you go to open water, whether whether it be lake or ocean, um, like you you have no safety net. There is no wall. There is no tiles underneath your feet. You know, once you're out there, you're out there. You either swim to get back to the slipway or or you're floating. People are right to be anxious. And I would say to people, do loads of work in the pool. Um, if you're new to open water, just get in for five minutes. Next time, try 10 minutes and, and so on. Yeah. Really introduce yourself slowly to open water. I know we're going to talk a little bit about technology because because you're a good mm-hmm. man <laughs> in terms of the advances <laughs> in technology. And uh, you're probably a marketing department's dream like myself, Eddie. Um but what I want, in terms of time commitment, because that's the other the other thing I hear about people who say they'd love to try a triathlon, but where would they find the time? So how many hours a week are you looking at? Um, so like if, if you're training for a sprint triathlon, which would be kind of typically an hour or an hour and a half race, you probably wouldn't need to go over 10 hours a week okay. for the three disciplines. And you, you could kind of break it down into um, a percentage, like do 10% of your training in the water. Do thirty percent of your training on the run, and maybe sixty percent on the bike. So the bike does take a lot of work, as the biggest portion of of every triathlon is the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I get into peak fitness and I'm three to four weeks out from an Ironman, I could be training for like twenty hours plus uh, a week, heading for maybe twenty five hours. Um, so that does take a lot of planning at home. Uh, with my lovely wife and my fan- my three fantastic kids. <laughs> Let's talk about technology. So um, starting with the watches. Um, okay. So you can get all sorts. You can get some that measure your heartbeat, for example. Are they accurate, do you think? Well, well, first of all, with technology, Brian, it's, it's such a vast area to touch on. You know, like when I think of technology, I, I like to kind of break it down into three, three sections. So you have like, Technology that you can wear on your clothes. Yeah. Te- technology that you can wear on your skin. And then what we're hearing an awful lot these is, is the technology that's under your skin. So, like, if, if you talk about the, the technology that's on your clothes, like, you you've stuff like um, uh, all these pods. You know, pods is a big thing. You can wear, you can get these sock-like uh, material you put on your feet, and there's a pod going, I think, to call it Mimo. You can get these things called um, uh, Under Armour, have a pod in their shoes. They monitor your running metrics and they send them back to your app on your phone so you can look at them after. Um, Stride, Stride have a running pod. You attach it to your laces. Um, Garmin have a pod. Course have a pod. Like the, the Garmin and the Course pods are very good. They, they attach to the back of your shorts. You just clip them on. They're, they're reasonably priced. There's loads of that on them. But what are they telling you that 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 your regular Garmin watch won't tell you, for example? Um, not a whole pile because the the, the regular Garmin watches now are so advanced. And yeah. There's so much. There's so much in them. Um, we say the Garmin running pod that goes on the back of your shorts, that would have a small little extra few features like um, I don't know, like vertical oscillation, uh, ground contact time. You know these kind of um, this kind of stuff. But yeah, like the, the watch, you're 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 a safe bet when you buy a decent watch. They all have a, an entry level watch, and they go right up to their top of the range watches, which could be anything from like two hundred euros up to a thousand euros. There's a broad range. So like what I say to people when it comes to watches, just make sure it has pace, 
and distance. There are two main, main factors yeah. because you could get absolutely lost in watches, Brian. Like the, the current watches at the moment, they're so advanced. Like they they can um they have music, they have maps. Yeah. You can actually pay for your groceries, uh, with Garmin Pay on your watch. Um, you can answer text messages through your watch. There, there's just and every year they're being updated and they're more advanced. From a running perspective, I always say to people, whether you're, whether you're new to running or whether you're elite, make sure there's pace and distance. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I have the um, the music one, Garmin Forerunner music, but but I never listen to music. So some of the features, I think we can buy watches that are almost too advanced for us. And I'm the same, Brian. I have the Garmin 945 and the thing is like a, a laptop on my wrist. There's so there's so much in it. Um, there's the integrated um heart rate. Um, there is what else? Like there's stuff like um. But on the heart rate, Eddie, just just to yeah. talk about that for a second, do you wear a separate heart rate monitor as well? I did previous in previous years, Brian. I did wear a chest heart yeah. rate strap, which is they're very reliable and um a lot more accurate in the watch. Yeah, but over the years. Um, I just ran into difficulty. Like some some races, I'd finish, and the heart, the 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 chest strap is down on my waist. Yeah. Or um, to try and get a good tight squeeze on it, it's it's constricting. So I it's all watch with me, you know. So I just um I'm, I'm doing all my heart racing the watch. It's uh it, it's not totally accurate, but it's it's uh it's for it's it's your it's your own heart rate. It's yours. If you know what I mean, it might be five beats uh, a minute out, but it's your five beats a minute out. But yeah, that's the heart rate. Um, okay. Like I, I touched on the, the the close devices and the touching skin devices. Then you believe the the new buzzwords at the moment are the kind of the under this under the skin devices like lactate testing and glucose monitoring. There's also like salt testing you can do. There, are, it's all just a bit geeky for runners, you know. Sweat analysis that was mentioned Sweat. last week. Yes, <laughs> like there's a crowd in Kilkenny called um, Precision Hydration, and they'll do um, sweat testing for you. So with the sweat testing, then for someone say like myself, I tend to get dehydrated quite mm. quickly in races. So this yeah. will tell me how much salt I should be taking in. Yeah, and not alone that, Brian, but they'll also tell you like th- and actually this test you can do. I think as far as I know, I. Um, I've only briefly touched and I was in a training camp in Fort Venture a few years back and I only briefly touched on it over there um, I haven't gone all in with it yet it's a short test uh, you just put a patch on and, and you send it off for analysis you don't even have to be running on a treadmill or sweating like mad uh, for this test but what, what it, what it uh, tells you at the end is it'll tell you how much salt you're losing what kind of salt you're losing um, it'll also tell you what kind of liquid you need before, during and after uh-huh. Um, no, it's it's very interesting for someone that is a heavy salt sweater. They could find it really beneficial, um, especially for endurance events. We say marathon and upwards, six hour events, yeah, twelve hour events, and and yeah, or or you go somewhere like you know we've got Rotterdam the weekend. It could be sixteen, seventeen degrees, and it might be a factor where you might have to plan in terms of taking on more water, taking on water with salt. Um, hundred percent, hundred percent. And the, glu- with the glucose with, testing, with the, you you mm-hmm. did that. So yeah, again, like 
I'm not an expert. I'm not a, a biological scientist or anything, but <laughs> I am. I do geek out a bit on these things, and yeah, I done. I dipped my toe in glucose monitoring. Uh, so I used just two crows that I know of, the uh, Abbott do it, and I, I went with a crow called Super Sapiens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, it's like again, it's it's fascinating, but it is um, you're putting something into your body. So with the with the Super Sapiens device, it's like um, it's like a white chip, and there's a flexible like six or seven mil needle that mm-hmm. inserts into your skin. So what it does then, it takes live readings, real data in real time, coming back to your watch or coming back to your app on your phone. And it's, it tells you uh, where you're spiking, where you're dipping in glucose. Um, it it kind of teaches you about different foods and what really spikes um, your glucose. So what did you learn from it, Eddie, that you didn't know beforehand? So, so what I learned, Brian, was, again, I, I, I only dipped my toe into it, and I, I'd like to wear one a bit longer, but... Um, Look, they're actually really expensive if, if you're thinking about taking one out for we say a whole year yeah a year a year plan because they're a subscription but i done it for a few months and what i learned was i i from an exercise point of view when running i i was better when i kept the curve just flowing and um, so like when i talk about curve um you have a glucose curve that that changes from your like your resting state into your exercise state and there's different bands there's a resting band and your exercise band and if you keep that curve just flowing nicely up and down between both whatever you're doing keep it flowing nicely when you're resting as in don't take in a lot of sugar or sugary foods or sugary drinks but when you go to exercising then obviously your sugar um, demands are a bit higher but you keep that curve just flowing nicely don't ever spike it yeah. Whenever spike the curve or leave a drop too low. So you learn as you're what I learned, especially on the bike, because I was able to look at it on the watch in real time on the bike. I learned to take on certain amount of sugars at, at a certain time and it kept my curve nice and steady. So it's like it's absolutely fascinating to see fascinating. it in, in real in real time what's going on inside your body because the watches are telling you what's going on outside, but yeah, um the glucose will tell you what's going on inside. But yeah, I, I don't know, are we at a place yet, Brian, where it's uh, it's for everybody, if you know yeah. what I mean? It's That's not quite for... high level now, and as you yeah. said, it is invasive. But for someone like yourself who is looking for those fine margins, it's giving you the information you want. Yeah, but I'm also, Brian, I'm also just a regular athlete that I, I don't want to be forking out huge amounts of money yeah. for small gains, you know? Yeah. So... I. I, I don't know, or is the world ready for this glucose? Maybe if it's really accessible in a few years. Yeah. Uh, maybe if maybe if they tied it into a watch or something some way and made it that accessible. Yeah, I think that's on be. the way, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say there's 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 a lot on the way regarding trying to get stuff on your wrist. I'd say they're they're going to get glucose on your wrist. They'll probably okay. get salt test, testing on your wrist. Um, they'll probably get them all wired into the same watch. Um, it'll probably be they probably find a way to get lactate testing on your wrist as well. Um, uh, that's another fascinating aspect. Um, you'll see a lot of elite athletes doing lactate testing at the moment. Again, it's not for your everyday casual runner um, because you would nearly want a science lab at the side of the road on your five-mile loop <laughs> testing you every five <laughs> miles. But um, yeah, I dip my toe on that as small, but as well, but again, it's evasive. Um, there's a, an extraction of blood 
um, taken on a strip and it goes through a device and it tells you how much uh, lactate you're building. So yeah, that's, that's the three groups that I split them into, the, the clothes, on the skin, and, and the under the skin. The, the watches alone, Brian, you get lost, absolutely lost in watches. Yeah. You know, there's so much on the watches these days. But but I know it's interesting with you, a lot of people would be on the app Strava where your runs are automatically synced and uploaded and you can see your weekly and monthly and yearly progression and you can join groups and it's sort yeah, of yeah. social connection. You're not on that. I'm not. I never went down the Strava route. Um, I like to keep my sessions private and I know you can go private in Strava as well, but I don't know. I just not into yeah. going out there to the whole world. Sure. or swimming sessions, bike sessions, run sessions. I, I think it would go against me in a way. I think I, it would it would put me under extra pressure. You know yeah. what I mean? Final thing, Eddie. So wh- what advice would you give me the last few days before before this marathon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably say, get a massage, but you'd probably say back to me, uh, I'm not trying nothing new. <laughs> I had thought about it. I had thought about it today. Today's Tuesday. Because I have I, got a few niggles. I, in I always would, Brian. Yeah. If I I, I see my my physios uh, usually once a week, but if I do take a break coming up to a race, I I book back in for the last two or three weeks. Yeah. And just get them to rub out um any anything that they feel, you know, especially the back, get the back rubbed out, get everything nice, loose and supple, make sure everything is soft. Yeah. Uh, Probably last week was the week to do it for me. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd say, look, just like I'd say. Like one, one, um, one part of the devices that we've never spoke of is is uh, is water, which is yeah. an extremely important device. Um, volume volume of water, break. Get your volume of water up. Yeah, I'm. Um, I have a bottle in my hand here as I'm talking, Shetty. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably the unsung hero of yeah. all the uh, of all the gadgets that we have is water. Sleep, I suppose, is the other and, thing, isn't it? And just. And, and loads of sleep, right? Whenever you can. Um, I know I was saying to lads last week there. Um, I found I found a new method. Do you know, like people can't sleep the night before race. Yeah. So, what I've learned to do is have a rough sleep or a broken sleep two nights before the race. So kind of force yourself to stay up or, or get up earlier, so that when the night comes before the race, you're absolutely shattered and you <laughs> sleep like a baby. That's a great idea. <laughs> So I'll pull the all night or so on uh, Thursday yeah, night. And the, the main thing on the last week is don't don't panic because at this stage you're you're not going to build any more strength. You're not going to get any more speed. Yeah. Um. You you have everything banked. You know it's it's all in in your legs. It's just a matter of rest, water, sleep, and get out there and knock them dead. Right, stop it. Listen, thanks, Mill. What's next for you? When's your next race? You, you, are you doing uh, the Ironman in y'all in the summer? Yeah, I will. I'll do some of that weekend. All right. Um, I've a few races come up beforehand. I've I've uh, Marbella, Ironman Marbella seventy point three in about three weeks. I have Ironman Staffordshire, uh, at the start of June, um, and I've Barcelona then way out at the end of the summer. That's in that's in uh, in October. So okay. yeah, my. Full, full calendar but come here best of luck for the weekend cheers Eddie thanks for that I'm, chat. Sure, I'm sure you'll do great hopefully <laughs> what happens if I don't <laughs> don't tell nobody to get it off Strava see you later bye bye thank you bye. so that was Corkman Eddie Bush 
who will be competing in a couple of Ironmans this year, as you heard, Yall in the summer, which I went down to see last year. And what a fantastic event and fantastic atmosphere. So I wish him all the best and hopefully some good advice there in terms of the kind of gadgets and the kind of devices and the type of testing that's available out there and the kind of benefits it might bring. That is pretty much it for me this week. Hopefully when I talk to you all next Tuesday, I'll have a marathon number four under my belt. The plan is to really enjoy it, soak it up and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, maybe knock a few minutes off off the marathon time from Cork last year. Thank you all for listening. Mind yourself if you're on the roads running and I will chat to you all next week.